Okay, what what do we want to start talking about? Do you want an anecdote to, that doesn't have to do with football? Do you want? No, please, yeah. Um, what happened recently? Oh, did I tell you the story about uh, like two weeks ago or a week ago? I don't think I have. This story's crazy. I don't think this can be an opener to the podcast. Maybe you can take a clip of it. But okay, okay. So it's about a ten minute story. I won't lie. It's pretty long. Okay, sure. Um, so essentially, I live in this apartment building, right? I don't know sure. if you've ever been there. It's like a seven-story apartment building. I mean, I've been to like a parking okay. floor. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty big building. Like a lot of kids live there. Right. Um, and it was probably it was what a week ago now, pretty much. Um, a week ago, uh, it was like five a.m. We're all asleep. The fire alarm goes off. Sure. We all have to evacuate. It's just long. We're like, oh my god, it's five thirty in the morning. Blah blah blah. Um. We go down, we stand outside for a while, then we're able to go back to our apartments. No big deal, but I'm kind of confused why we got evacuated because there's no smoke. No, was it just nothing some on kid fire. Like, set a microwave on fire on the floor or some shit? But it's 5.30 in the morning. Like, yeah, but like, maybe would, like, you make a hot be, pocket. Or who would something? make a hot pocket at 5.30, though? Bro, there's some gremlins. You had a I know, roommate I know. that played League from like, midnight I, till 7 That is true. That is true. However, it, it was... You'll see. But we go back to bed. It's whatever. Next day goes past. Yeah. Um, we go to sleep. My roommate has a girlfriend over a lot, so she's in our room. Right. Um, so we're all asleep, or we're going to sleep. It's like twelve, eleven thirty ish. It's black. I have my my white noise on because I have to have the white noise to sleep. Have you tried brown noise by the way? I hate brown noise. Okay. Um. I I start going to sleep and then we hear like this singing, uh, from the elevator. Okay. Because like we're on the corner. What day of so, the week? This is a like a Thursday okay. or a Wednesday. So it could just be someone who's like. So it's right. we. It's like oh, someone came out, came back from going out. Right, you know? right, right. Like whatever. It's late. Some girl singing. Um. And it starts far away because it's like a. Imagine our our building is like a big E shape, pretty much. Sure. We're on like the bottom far right of the E. Okay. So like, and the singing, the elevator, the main elevator is at like the center of the E. So there's like a wing. And then there's a long wing and then a wing and then a wing. Right, and yeah, we're at no, the I end see. of this wing. Um, so then we hear the singing down in the middle. It's not that. It's pretty far away. I'm like, I'm about to go to sleep. Like, I'm very close. Sure. And the singing starts to get louder. Okay. And I'm like, oh, she lives on this side of the building. What Whatever. was she singing, by the way? I'll get into it. I, you can't okay. really tell at first, but she's singing consistently. Sure. Um, and then we she gets clo- it gets closer and closer. And, like, it's no longer like a... Hey, I just met you. It's like, it's four notes. Right. And she's going, Hamsa, Hamsa. That's it. That word, Hamsa. And we're like, what the, f- what the fuck okay. is she doing? So we're like, okay, she's going to her room. She's just tripping balls or she's right, super right. drunk. She's just going back. And we're like, what is that? What is Hamsa, Hamsa? And she does that and she comes, it gets like really, really loud, like absurdly okay. loud. Because we're at the end of the hallway. She then turns back assumingly and it gets like less and less loud right she goes away and we're like okay whatever so then i'm able i'm able to go to sleep like for the most part i'm into that like very first rem cycle or not rem cycle like i go it goes dark but i hear her singing in the distance and then well i don't really know how much later it was but then i'm woken up by it being like twice as loud as it was the first time that she came past so (laughs) (laughs) so I then wake up and I I 
it's like stupidly loud, like crazy loud. Okay. And so I sit up in my bed and I, I like look around because I'm like, what the f- what is going on? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And I look over to my roommate's bed and his girl, he's still asleep, but his girlfriend is also sitting up, like looking around. Like what is happening? And we're both like, did you hear that? And we're like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Shit. I'm like, where, where, like that was close, right? And she's like, yeah, that was really close, like strangely close. So then. I'm still in like that kind of like high that you get out of right when right, you wake right. up. So I'm like, okay, I'll go, I'll go check. She's like, can you go check the front door and, and like, just look. So I go, I check, I get out of my bed. I'm in my boxers. Okay. I walk over to our door and I open our door up, um, to the main area. And we have this foreign exchange student roommate. He's from China. His name's Paul. He's like 24. He's a he's grad Paul? student. Yeah, he's a he's a, we have a single in like the corner, and he lives in the single. His government name is Paul. Like he no, his name's like his name's like, like Yao Xuing, and he oh, goes okay, by Paul. Okay, 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 okay. Same like Jay Z type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I then walk out into the main room, and Paul's standing in front of our door, and he starts just going off on me. He's like, "Yo, what is that? Like, who was that? What are you doing? Like, where did she come?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Who is she?" What do you mean? Yeah, where? Like, what, is what is going on? Like, sure. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, she came in our room. And I was like, who's what? she? And he's like, there was this girl. She was singing in our room and she came to my room and opened the door. And so I'm like, okay, what, what did she like? Did she do anything? He's like, no, she came in. She, she told me that her friend was dying and she needs help. And we're like, okay. What? So then I'm like, uh, did, did she leave? And he's like, yeah, I helped. I, I was like, okay, bring me to your friend. And then they like left the room and she just started singing again and started going like fast down the hallway. Um, and okay. so he just let her go. And then Valid. he just like closed the door. And that's when I came out was like right after she had left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he's like, I don't know where she went. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who she was looking for. So I'm like, okay, I'll go look. I don't know where she went. I'll go find her. Right. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to go tell the security too, that someone broke into our room. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Um, so then I walk out of our room. And I'm going down the main hallway. I turn left. There's like the long corridor left, like the long part of right, the E. Right. Um, I turn left to go up the long part of the E. And I see a group of people at the other end of the hall by like where it ends. There's like a balcony and sure. there's like a, a fence. So I see a group of people crowd around the fence. And I, we're on the fifth floor. So I'm like, oh my God, if she jumped, she died. Right. Like we, I could have just seen a group of people surrounding someone who just committed suicide. So I walk over to them. I'm like yo, have you guys seen a girl? And they're like, yeah, we all got woken up by her. Um, and so then I go down to the to the first floor. I tell the security, I'm like, yo, someone just broke into our room. This girl was singing. She was looking for her friend who was dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, okay, we'll send someone up to talk to you in a second. Because they were already following this girl around. Right. So I go back up to the room. I explain what happened to my roommates. And then we, my direct roommate at this point had woken up. Because his girlfriend woke him up. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and this is where it gets freaky. Because so his girlfriend apparently said that she thought she was having a nightmare during um, that time. Like when she was asleep. Like when the when she got woken up by the loud voice. She's like, I had a nightmare and I had sleep paralysis. And I saw someone standing over me. But then she's like, but I don't know if it was a nightmare anymore. I don't know whether I was just awake. And this girl was standing Dude, in our room. What the fuck? And so then we're like, holy shit, we need to go tell, like actually figure yeah, out where this yeah, girl yeah, went. Because yeah, yeah. there's a chance she's technically still in our room. Like we don't know where she went. 
So so we go back, we clear our room like black ops style. We've got the the knives like from our kitchen. And everything, We've like... got the phone flashlight with the knives over our arm like this. We're like we're clearing we're clearing corners and stuff. But one of our roommates is asleep still in his room and his door shut. Okay. And it's like locked. So we're like she could be in there with our roommate. We're not sure. Uh, Surely you just are like banging on the door, right? No, because we didn't want, we didn't know if she had a weapon or anything. So yeah. if, if she was like just staring, cause if she had stared at us in our room and didn't hurt us, she might be doing the same thing to him. Right. So we're like, all right, we have to go figure out where this woman is at this point. Okay. So my roommate and I go downstairs to the front desk to then ask them about this lady. And so we asked them to pull up the CT CCTV and we get the video of her going into our room. Luckily it oh, then God. shows her coming out of our room. Okay. So she wasn't in our room. Um, and then we see she actually gets not arrested, but detained and she gets put into like one of the cop yeah, cars. Custody, whatever. Like. Yeah. Um, so then we're like, holy shit, what a crazy night. Right. Right. So we go, we go back to bed, we fall asleep. And then the next morning we tell our other two roommates who hadn't woken up, yeah. uh, the guys who had their doors locked were like, yo, this happened last night. It was crazy. Like what the sure. fuck happened? Paul explained like the girl coming into his room. And then Sid, one of my roommates said, wait, did she like, do you know what she looked like? Was she like a certain, she have a certain color hair or anything? Yeah, and Paul's yeah. like, oh yeah, she had brown hair. She's like this. Five, blonde, yeah, something. Whatever, like. He's like, oh wait, there's, um, there was a girl in one of the sororities who had a mental thing like two nights ago. Like that she, she like disappeared from the sorority for an hour. So what we figured out, this girl had had a like schizophrenic attack and she has a crush on a guy who lives in our building on the fifth floor. She has a crush of, on the, the guy in our building on the fifth floor. She had a schizophrenic attack where she thought that he was dying. So how? So I don't, uh, apparently one of the stories is that it was just random. And the other one was like, she was looking at her calendar with birthdays on it. Um, and like the friend, the guy she had a crush on had the same birthday as a friend whose brother had just died. And like somehow in her brain. Like is she like a, like connected. a tarot card, like psychic type? Like she's she's mental, but not psychic. Okay, but fair. so what we learned is that fire alarm that went off was her first schizo breakout. She had broken into the building, pulled the fire alarm, and gone to the guy's room to make sure he was okay. Like she was trying, she pulled the fire alarm to get That's help. That's crazy. And then the second time she broke in again, and then when she broke into our room. She had actually broken into like six other rooms on our floor. Like cause she was, for this dude? Because she was trying to open every door on our floor because she didn't know which one was his room. Boy, but didn't she already go to his room once? Yeah, but I think she had just gone, fully gone. Oh, I point. see. Okay. And so then she comes in and is trying to open every door and apparently our door wasn't fully locked. So she was able to get into our room to try and find her friend. Dude, that's a... So now she's in. She's now in a mental ward. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Welcome back, We Know Ball Podcast. No, uh, I get to do it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Actually, no, I edit a podcast. Welcome back to the We Know Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Oscar, and I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Um, so f- I think that's the first time that it's actually been a real yeah, intro right? that way, that it hasn't been a joke. But yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been a minute. Let's just, I'd like to start with a quote, all right, just to kind of sum up what's dude, happened. Dude, what is this, like a literary analysis? In the last... In the last 
whatever it's been, a month and a half, yeah, two months. Yeah, six weeks, whatever. So, since Christmas, obviously, we had a break for the holidays. Right. But then it's been about a month. A lot of transitions for us. But yeah. for me personally, at least, the reason this podcast hasn't come out is a quote from a John Coleman, the ex-manager of Accrington Stanley. <laughs> I'm rapidly falling out of love with football. Oh, <laughs> this is so sad. Yeah. This so, so um, sad. in that note, today we are covering the... Uh, what would you call it? Demise? Not demise. We're not technically dead yet. That shit show. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a dog who's like 16, 17, where it kind of like pisses itself when it's walking around, but it's not quite dead. You it's know? your grandparent that needs adult diapers. Yeah, like a little bit of dementia. Just yeah. a sprinkle of like dementia. Like you see it coming, you're like fuck. Like, yeah, it's, it's like oh god, this is yeah. a poor state. So we'll be talking about Everton Football Club. Oh man, what a, what a crazy. Do you want to start with a stadium or? No, I'm not even going to bring up the stadium today. Your stadium it's... is worth more than your club. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> By the way. Um, so we're just going to kind of go through the the recent downfall. Not that we didn't see this coming from last year. It's not like it's not like anything really changed. It's now just much more Materialized. apparent. <laughs> yeah, it's much more apparent and much less, uh, less hope. Um, so I kind of broke it into four main sections uh or yeah four main sections it's the results which we can go into uh the management then the ownership and board Mm. and then our transfer strategy and it kind of goes in that order um it's crazy because it's disgusting how they're all bad i actually wanted to pull this up um i'm taking right now a sports sports business class and uh Oh, I don't have it on me. Let me see if I can find it online quickly. Uh, my professor had a um, a sheet that was said, like, the things that make a successful sports business. Sure. And he had, like, eight qualities of a successful sports business. And when I was reading through these qualities, I was with one of my roommates who knows that I'm an Everton fan. And um, we were just looking at each other, kind of laughing that uh, – it had gone to the point where Everton didn't check off a single one of the eight. Good. Nice. I, I can't find it online right now, but I'll, I'll let you know. Was it like resilience, good results? It's like good ownership with a clear vision. Fan interaction. Uh, yeah, like fan communication, uh, correct investment at right times, <laughs> advertising to the correct audiences. Of course. Making youth your programs. people feel valued. Yeah, using your youth academies, um, building yourself into the community. Things like that. Really it's, it's just no literally point. like eight of eight things that Everton would rank last on <laughs> in like f- world football. Maybe maybe not even Premier League, maybe world football. No, there's got to be some club in like Poland. Yeah, yes, like. of course. There's probably some little tiny club that does worse. But for, for a club of this stature, it's yeah. pretty heinous. Um, so let's start with the results. Uh, let's, go, let's go to our last league win. October? October 22nd. Right. Good, 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 good. Against uh, who? Crystal Palace. Oh, nice. 3-0 win. Congratulations. And, and to be fair, up to that point, I think at that point we were probably like ninth or eighth in the table. Sure. We had a couple. We had drawn against Liverpool. We had lost against uh, Tottenham, I think. And then we had drawn against Leeds. We lost against Chelsea. Like, we were putting points together. Like, it, it looked all right. Reasonable results. 
like something you it's what you'd expect from Everton. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, you it's can get it. It's not bad. It's not great. It's pretty like it's it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's like Frank's first. He had his full first preseason. Like he's right. coming into his system or whatever. You're like, okay, yeah, we're getting used to it. The Chelsea game was one of the ones where it's like, oh, we didn't deserve to lose. Ben Godfrey broke his ankle in that one yeah, first game of the season. Just whatever. like, oh, shitty way to start. But then this game was like, we played really, really good football. Sure. And it looked like everything looked good. The defense was so good in the first couple of weeks. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but yeah, I do, actually. You guys only had like nine goals conceded after like eight matches. Yeah, we were so, we were like second best defense in the league or something stupid. Yeah, and then everyone got um, Connor Cody in their FPL. Yeah, Con- Connor Cody became a hot asset. Um, everything looked good. I mean, Tark's Tarkowski looked like a great signing. Sure. Cody looked like a great signing. Like everything looked great. And I think that was the point where I had a lot of hope was after that result. Um, but I think then in the next weeks, we start to see where the, where the holes begin. And it's against Bournemouth twice, (laughs) twice against Bournemouth, actually. So on November 8th, uh, we lost 4-1 to Bournemouth in the EFL Cup. Good. It was our B team, to be fair. Like, Tom Davies was starting. Sure. Ruben Vinagre. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do, actually. Okay. Begovic, Holgate, Mina. Yeah, not great, not great. Davies and Garner in the midfield. Good. And Neil Malpai up top. Like hey, we're, Neil Malpai is a lethal striker. We'll get into that later. But... It is our B team, but then also it's born this B team. Yeah. Like it's kids you've literally never seen in your life. They've got like number 77 on their back. They lose 4-1. Um, and so obviously coming out of that game, I feel terrible. I remember so distinctly watching that at school and I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Like this is so poor. Um, but I'm like, okay, it's fine. We played. The, it was a double header, so we were gonna play them that weekend. It was a midweek game. Sure. I think it was on a Wednesday, and we we're gonna play them on the Sunday, also at Bournemouth. So I'm like, okay, it was the B team. Um, we'll play our A team. Yeah, learn from mistakes. And whatever. we'll do well. We'll, we'll Frank will see what went wrong, and we'll we'll adjust. Uh, and then on November 12th, we lose three nil to ever uh, to Bournemouth, which is just like that result. That result could send us down at the end of the day. We had 70% possession and an XG of 0.83. We had 15 shots, three on target. Kiefer Moore was unbelievable that day for them. And if you have a day where Kiefer Moore looks like a good player, it's just not a good day. Uh, We looked absolutely terrible, and it was no end product. I think that is where I pinpoint shit started to hit the fan. It's the beginning of the end. Yeah, because I think Frank's system that was doing well had gotten figured out by a team that was significantly worse than us. Right. Uh, and I think that sent him and the rest of the team kind of into a spiral of like, oh, this might not be the right solution. Like, we're bad. Yeah. So, building on top of that, since October 22nd, since that win against Crystal Palace, we have not won a game in the league. Uh, we have two draws and six losses. We scored five goals and conceded 18. Uh, the team that was, like, super good defensively, as we spoke about. Don't smile at me like that, you freak. Five and 18 is not... It's not great. Um, we looked, like, so defensively sound and resolute, and now we're conceding 18 goals. Are you serious? Like, it's terrible. We're unable to score. Unless Damari Gray becomes Ronaldo. That's right. literally the only goals we get are Damari Gray like scoring an absolute screamer. 
we have no creativity and there's just no one wants it. Like it feels like no one cares anymore. Um, and like building onto that, it's such an unhealthy watching habit developed by this. But every time I watch Everton, if we concede, I turn it off because I know the game's over because we won't score a goal. Like if we don't score first, there's no point in me watching the rest of the game because we won't win. I mean, yeah, but to be fair, it's understandable though. Like, like it's like a four thirty wake up for fucking Southampton away. But I no, the thing is, I'll still get up at four thirty. I'll watch for twenty minutes, and then we'll concede, and I'll turn it off. I no, won't go yeah, back to yeah, sleep. But I mean, like, because yeah, I'm pissed, yeah. I'm riled up. So it's just it's it's annoying, and and like I think it started. The best example of it is in the Wolves game. We scored first. Um, sure. And then we equalize. They equalize in like the eightieth minute, I think. Right. And the second they equalized, I was like, I need to turn this off. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. And we, they score the 95th and we lose. Yeah. And I just wanted to cry. Um, and we are, just, we are just a team full of bottlers. But I, I do want to hopefully through this, this episode bring out the moments of brightness because it's a lot of darkness. So I, I wrote down a couple of the pros. Of, a rose and a thorn, really. I'd say like, yeah, like a petal and then like a bush of thorns. Sure, okay. okay. But we'll take the pet. These are the petals that we have. Um, Onana. I think in general, that's a petal. He's going to get poached. He's going to get poached, but we kind of knew that coming in. Like we, we bought sure. him in from Liel for 30 million or whatever it was. And we knew this kid is like, he's class. Like the right. fact that we were able to get him was kind of, insane in the first place um he's probably my favorite player right now i won't lie i ain't fair because i think he's the only one who works for the badge he grinds he oh, his tackles i don't know if you've watched him play enough but that man has like like what's it what's his name inspector gadget he has got an inspector <laughs> gadget leg his leg like when he goes onto the ground gets like three feet longer and just kills people like a little it's, casemiro oh it's like if casemiro took steroids because he's six five fair and 22 so he's got legs <laughs> yeah, valid, valid. he can run a lot and he can like just kill people so i love watching onana play um on top of that i think another pedal is that iwobi continues to work really hard um which is good i think that's something that we didn't see before frank uh and now that he's still working hard i think at the start of the season i mean he still is in the top i think he's in the top five for assists in the league still sure um, so we're starting to see some end product. It hasn't come in the last couple of weeks because we haven't scored any goals. So I right. can't, I can't necessarily blame that on him. Um, Small category prospect, by the way. Like yeah, sure. Uh, but I think he's getting to a point now where he's developing some end product, and hopefully, with in the near future, he can start getting back to what he was doing at he's the start of the season. He's gonna pop on the championship. He honestly will. Like that's, it'll be sick. Um, another bright spot is Pickford. Uh, he's definitely had a couple stinkers, but like, I mean, you're going to, when you have just absolute melons in front of you, like you've got nothing to do. So he still is a top, top keeper who, who makes saves that you're like, how, how do you do that? Do you think he's still England number one? Oh, hundred percent. No question. That's crazy. Oh, um, no, he'll leave. He'll leave at, in the summer. He's going to go okay. Tottenham in the summer, but, um, even if we stay up, he'll leave in the summer. Cause he's only got one year left. Fair. He's got like six months and then another year. So he'll leave in the summer, probably for like 30, 30 million. And he'll be a great signing for whoever picks him up. Yeah. But yeah, no doubt he's England number one. I think that he is what 
like if you took Pope and Ramsdale and put them together, you get one Pickford. Because Ramsdale can kick the ball well. <laughs> but Dispo does go stupid. He's got good dis- distro, but he cannot. His saves are not good. I'm sorry to say it. I, 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 he, do I need to pull up the clip? Do I need to pull up the clip against Everton? Need I remind you? Okay, he had one, but he also does it all for cameras. Like the saves way easier than he makes okay, them look. Who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know, but Pickford does it like legitimately well. Pickford and does it because he has to. Ramsdale does it because he's bored. Yeah, I know. That's not a good <laughs> thing though, because he also has conceded because of that. You were so literally on the week against Tottenham, he literally lost. Like he conceded because of his stupid top spot, bottom spot. I know, not bottom, second bottom. Lost to bottom. Okay, we move. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pickford has done well, and then uh, my last one, which is like not even really a rose petal, but I think the James Garner signing, he could be pretty decent. I don't really know. He got injured. Um, this is a reach. But I think he might be at the right level of good where he's like, he's not good enough to go to Man City and the top team. Sure. But he's good enough to like be a very solid player for us for many years without getting poached. Like a James Ward-Prowse style. It's going to be crazy when he goes to like Bristol City. He could go to Bristol City, but it would be for a good amount of money because we paid 20 for him. So. Fair. Fair, or fair. fifth? No, it was ten, 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 ten. You also sorry. paid thirty for Morgan Schneider. They've been offloading him for one point six. <laughs> we'll get into that later. I'm. Yeah. I will. I'm. And now let's get into the cons. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Let's please. get into the cons. Remind I. Me. I wrote a lot more for the pros and the cons because I know the cons will just come naturally. Yeah. Focus me. on the positives. You know. Um. My first point I put for cons is everything. <laughs> uh, mainly, I want to start with our, our offense. It is. It is genuinely League One standard offense. Where, real quick, where yeah. is DCL? He's playing. Is he? Yep. He's just terrible. Oh. Like, he's not doing his job well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's been he's been poor, but that's also a, a product of how badly our manager sets up our systems. Right. Um, and then... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the best move to replace him is. I think we really need to, again, if we'll get into it later, but we haven't really had a system in which an attack can be formed. Like, we have very little talent. With, we're just thin up top. Like, if you look at our attackers, we've got DCL, Gray, Gordon, and then, like, a distinct drop in quality. Neil Mopai. Down to Dwight McNeil and Neil Mopai. Dwight McNeil, by the way, was crazy. We'll get... Uh, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, so, our offense is god-awful. Our our defense is also god-awful. Um, <laughs> the midfield, god-awful. The midfield's all right. The center-back pairing of Tarkowski and Cody, you'd think would be really good, and it will be really good in about a week and a half. But what? for the last 18 weeks, it has been dog, not 18, last 10 weeks, it has been dog water because we play a high line with the two slowest center backs in the league oh, yeah. and we just get caught in behind every week. And and our wing backs don't know how to go forward, but we're telling them to go forward. So they're just kind of lost. Like they don't exist. Um, they don't know how to attack. So I don't know why we're trying to push them up to attack. Uh. Who even, who even are your wingbacks at this point? Right now, it's Seamus Coleman and Vitaly Mikolenko. What happened to um, the kid you got Nathan from Nathan Patterson? Yeah, no. Um, did Nathan he get Patterson some, got uh, from Rangers. We no, sent John, John Joe, Joe Kenny to oh, Schalke. Oh, you sent him to... Oh, what? Yeah, he's dog. He's so bad. Okay. Fair. Um, 
but yeah, Nathan Patterson. Nathan Patterson can attack pretty well, um, but he was injured, so he he cannot. And Seamus Coleman can't be bombing the wings still. Seamus Coleman is like forty. I respect that man so much. No, me too. But, but he is a pensioner. He is a pensioner, and it's so poor from us to not have replaced him five years ago. Yeah, he's been there for like, what, like sixteen years or some shit. Yep, sixty grand though. So I mean, then, yeah, valid. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go into more cons. Again, creativity. I think that's our our big thing. No, Iwobinho. Iwobinho can create, but to who? Like, <laughs> you you need someone else doing something other than just Binho. And that's like Damari Gray is the only other one who can do it. It's like sure. them two. And then it's just DCL waiting for someone to do something for him to tap in. Right. And then Anthony Gordon just sprinting in a line and then getting a yellow well, card. Not even anymore. Yeah, no. Yeah, not anymore. Um, what other issues? Backwards passing. We <laughs> pass the ball backwards like something like seventy four percent of the time. Fire, good. Uh, which is good. great. Also, due to that, we also have the long ball and inshallah tactic, but we don't have right. wingers who are we don't have wing backs or wingers who are pressing the back line. So it's just DCL versus five <laughs> defenders trying to long ball and inshallah, which and then people get mad at DCL for that. It's like, no, it's not his fault. Yeah. Tarkowski just boots the ball 60 yards, and he's supposed to chase it down. And to be fair to DCL, he'll get on the end of 20% of them, and that's pretty damn good. So do you like, think that just having a good right back solves, like, 80% no. of your problems? Our problems need – we need attackers, bro, because we just need people who can, like our, – our wingers right now play as wingbacks because our – our wing backs play as center backs because our center backs play as goalkeepers because they don't fucking move. No, but I'm saying if you had like a like a Trent or something, no, just no, like no, 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 no. But hear me out. Hear if we had out. like a Kieran Trippier, possibly. Hear me out. You were saying that like the it's just it's just vibes and inshallah and hope that DCL can tap into something. But we need so, wingers. That's what we need. Someone to create out wide. No, but that's what I'm saying. Having someone like a Trent that would run in from right back to like center mid or right wing to cross it into DCL with a non. We need like a like Bukayo Saka. That's okay, what fair. we need. Someone who can goal threat too, because we can't just have DCL score every goal. Yeah, fair. We need goal threats. Like, if you look at our team, do you really think Dwight McNeil is going to score a goal on a Saturday? No, but like, Neil Mopai is not no, atrocious. He, is. he wasn't bad for Brayden. I mean, he did hand Messi a World Cup when you really deep it like that. I know, but okay, let's keep going on to the issues. Uh, movement. We don't move okay. on attack. We stand still. Like, just no stamina? or like No, no, we just, like, we just don't move. Like, we just stand there and wait for the ball. Great. And then they steal it, and we're confused about that. <laughs> we're like, wait, why? Why did they get the ball? We tried to pass the ball. Um, and I think like the most important two aspects of our our game that we just do not have. One is adaptability. We don't have a system, and sure. we, due to that fact, we also can't adapt to other people's systems. So it's like if we play against the I don't know, we play against Arsenal, who plays like a possession tiki taka. Right. We don't know what to do because we don't have a system to fall back on. We can't go and say, oh, when they're playing the ball this way, we can't say, oh, now Idrissa, you're supposed to drop in and you're supposed to have our two pivots here. It's more like, oh, God, they're playing fast. We have to get to them quicker. And it's just like, no, no, relax. Find a system. Play the way you're supposed See, to play. But the thing is, now you will have a system. No, and that's what I'm actually excited for. And the <laughs> second one, which is also what I'm excited for, we have no passion. There is no <laughs> passion in this football club. None. No one cares. Like, the only one who cares is Yeri Mina. Like, he's genuinely the only one who cares. And he can't play because he's made of literal glass. I see one man. Just and and Jordan problems. Pickford. Jordan Pickford cares. 
Um, JP cares. Yeah, JP cares. I'll give you that. But I, oh, I, Nana I, also I, cares. Yeah. Sorry. Also, I would argue. I think Iwobino on some level cares. Oh no, Iwobino oh, tries. I don't know if he necessarily is like bought into the full club, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is fine. You don't have to be. It's, like you don't know if he's niche. playing for himself. To, yeah, like, which is I. Up I think or... he. I don't think he wants to be at Everton long term, and that's fine. I don't sure. blame him for that. I mean, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to be at Everton right now. Right. Um. But for me, it's like Onana feels like he's playing for the badge. Right. And same with Pickford, and even even Mikalenko at times you can see him like. He'll work his balls off to go in. Well, yeah, I mean, it's either that or, like, the front line for him. Yeah, so. but I think, like, Iwobi and Damari Gray kind of play for a highlight tape, which is fine, and we need that. Right. Um, But they're not, like, passion in the badge. But yeah. I think, hopefully, we can get some of that installed soon um, <laughs> because of our change in management, which is what I'll go into next, our management mm. of the club. Um, Look, I don't want to slag off Frank. I'll be honest. Uh, I think Frank is a really good guy. Sure. Like I, I that sounds stupid, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, it's of course he's a good guy." Blah blah blah. He's the... no. It, it's important though. It's like it's kind of rare now in football that you have someone that you actually like running your team. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah, I know. Like it's hard to have somebody who's in this position in like last place of the Premier League, where you look at him and you say, "Oh, I don't mind that guy too much." Yeah, someone you like not just because your team is doing well. Yes, exactly. It's like. I don't think that people would like Jurgen Klopp as much if he wasn't winning. Bro, Mikel Arteta. Yeah, Arteta would be annoying if he wasn't winning. Like, no, the thing about all the fucking Arteta out when he had, like, David Luiz at the back. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, it's it's pretty rare that you have someone that, like, he handles himself really well. He's been a really good calm presence amongst chaos, which sure. is surely hard to do as not only a manager, but as a, a man itself with all that pressure on you to say... Hey, we're taking it game by game when you realistically know every game, down. especially last year. It's like every game you need points. Yeah, of course. Um, so I have a lot of respect for like how he handled himself in the position that he's been put in, especially as a new manager. It's like to be to be your second job or third job and be put in that is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. To, to be thrown into that halfway through the season saying, all right, we need 20 points from you in the next 15 games. Go and do it. Yeah, not an easy task for sure. It's not easy, especially with the team we had. Um, but as much as I respect him as a man, I do believe I have a right to slag him off as a manager. Also, his press dealings are atrocious. No, I like it. His press is fine. No, but the, the like... Oh, the smile and then like, say ah, something No, serious. but seriously, we're going down. Yeah, it, that's kind of funny though. I don't mind that because <laughs> like he's trying. Atrocious. He's trying to be positive. Yeah, but like he's you'll be making like, an effort. Well, he did have a good game. <laughs> no, but seriously, we're going down. Yeah, um, but let me talk about kind of his managerial style. I think at Chelsea, he had a lot of success in setting up like he just set up a simple five back at Chelsea. Right. Said like, oh, this is you play this position, you play this position. But then what he was really successful was is that he used this simple system and then allowed his players to like play to their own strengths sure. in that system. Which is great when you have, like, fucking... Yeah, when you have Reese James who can, like, put a ball just on a quarter in the yeah. box, that's a fantastic thing to say, oh, you can play however you want. But then when you go and you ask Tom Davies <laughs> to play how he wants to play, like, the only thing he knows is how to wear, like, a Fashion. sundress. Yeah. <laughs> how to wear a sundress and listen to the Beatles. It's like, that's all he can do. 
You can't go and ask Tom Davies to go, oh, yeah, we're going to play a 4-3-3. Uh, go play your game. He doesn't know how to play the sport. He knows how to dress, and he knows how to cook. He cooks? He cooks. He does cook. What do you mean he cooks? He makes his own chopsticks. What? Yeah, Wait, hold up. Brand. What? He has a, a compostable chopstick brand. You're jo- bro. I'm not joking. He's also a model. Dude, this is the most Hector Bellerin-ass player. Oh, no, he's like, better than Hector Bellerin because he doesn't actually play the sport. Yeah, fair. <laughs> he's just there for vibes. Um... So, yeah, when you have Reese James and Mason Mount, like these young, insanely talented players, and you ask them to go play their game, they're going to go do something great. But when, you, when you're stuck with the shit that we have, it's like you can't really do that. Um, he came in with just no plan, it feels like, when he came to Everton. Like, Tommy, if you actually, okay, to be fair, though, if you came into his position at Everton, like, what are you doing? I'm setting up defensively and trying to get points. Fair. And I just feel like there was no no vision or concept of what he wanted to do when he got here um which is fine a little bit i think last season especially is difficult because you don't have a preseason to put in your ideas right you don't really have like you don't really know who you've got you don't know what people's strengths are when you get here yeah you get to go see them play and then okay you get a little bit of an idea um but then coming into this season you have a full preseason to instill whatever system you have a grace period's over yeah, your grace period's over. Now we get to see what does Frank Ball look like. <laughs> um, and in this season alone, we started playing our first couple games at the back five. Then we switched to a 4-3-3. Three, three. Right. Then we switched to a 4-2-3-1. Alex Iwobi also went left back to left mid to striker. But that's fine. Iwobi can to... play everywhere. Iwobi is like... No, he's but a... like I'm saying, I feel, like, no. I feel like just on a week-to-week being like, okay, where the fuck am I playing? It's probably not great. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you, have a f- if you go five back, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, then back to a five back... Like, the lack of consistency at attempts to change systems without having a plan, it, it just causes for all players to lose a sense of identity and also the club to lose a sense of identity. Yeah, for sure. Like, what are we going out and trying to achieve every week? Yeah. Like, we don't have we don't have anything that's holding us to it. Like, we know Arsenal's idea is we're going to get young, hungry players who play high-pressing, attacking yeah, football. Favela and our screaming type. Like, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's just like we're going to have high press. We're going to have very attacking. And we're going to control the midfield. Whereas, like, when you look at, I mean, Guardiola kind of, like, he does whatever he wants. Sure. And no one really can explain what he does. But they have a system in place. Yeah. At least. And you're like, okay, we know I mean, what to expect. De Bruyne to Holland and, and even, vibes. even Conte, who hasn't been doing well, you know what system he has in place. But then when you look at a club like us, it's like, what are we doing, you know? Yeah, no, no. And same with Brighton. Brighton has a system that, like, these really well scouted, talented players that they find can fit into. But how are we going to get good recruitment when we don't have an idea of what we're looking for? You know? Yeah. Like, if we know, oh, we're going to play a 4 2 3 1 that can shift into a 4 3 3, we need a right defensive midfielder who can also go up and attack. But if we're like, oh, we're going to play a five back. But also a four-two-three-one so and three, a four-three-three. Three. Yeah. How are you going to choose someone who can play right wing back, right mid, and right wing? Well, clearly, you will be. But that's the thing is like there's one guy who can do that, and he can't even do it that well. Yeah. It's like well, you can't recruit for that though. You can't go to a you can't go to Reese James and say what, what do you feel about playing right wing some weeks? Yeah. He's like, no, I'm a right back. So it's just dumb. It, I think. In general, Frank never came in with a philosophy, and that's the reason that he failed. Is because if he had come in and stuck with his five back through and through every game, sure, we probably would. We might be in the same position, but he'd probably be in a safer spot in January because we know 
okay, we're getting our left center back is getting fisted. Right, we need, we need to go recruit a new yeah, left yeah. center back, or we don't have a second striker, or we don't have wing backs who can attack. But now going into January, since we've tried all these systems, we're like, who do we need? What are our problem points? We don't know. We're kind of lost. So in conclusion, it's not totally Frank's fault, but he's got bad players. He's got a bad system, and we're in a bad situation. And you just can't have all three of those going on at once and expect to survive. Of course. Uh, I'm always grateful for him for the, what he gave me against Crystal Palace. <laughs> Genuinely probably one of the top five. No, top. It is the best sporting moment of my life. Dirk, that's insane. How was that crazy? Uh, no, second best. No, third best. Okay. Third best. Thank you. But. It's you can admit that was a crazy moment. No, it was fun to watch. Yes, but I, the the joy I felt after seeing my country win the World Cup, I'm not gonna. But lie, I can't beating, do that. Can Palace, I? like, I can't. Sweden's not winning the World Cup. What do you uh, want from me? Fair. fair. <laughs> like, you can't be looking at me like that. That's fair. Um, I think also what we can look at for thanks for Frank as he moves on is is. Making Iwobi go from the worst player I've seen in my entire life to becoming like a statement. I don't know whether that's a statement of how bad we've become or that he actually got better. I think it's both at the same yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. That Iwobi has gotten better. It's definitely just for deferential has grown. Yeah, I feel like his level and our level have gone in opposite directions. Right. And now we've met at a point like in the middle where it's not very healthy for us. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that's like a th- another thing for Lampard. Like he's he's done a good job of managing our players to grow, especially like Anthony Gordon too, sure. giving him a platform to play on. I guess that was technically Rafa Benitez who started it, but giving him a platform to then go on and now get also, sold. I feel like he didn't get like entirely poached. You know? What oh I mean? no no we I think the Gordon deal is a great deal. I'm I'm still mad we didn't sell him in the summer, but. I mean, we take it. The fact that we could have gotten more money for Anthony Gordon than we did for Richarlison is disgusting. Isn't that I vile? I he did lose Richie, so, okay, maybe he did get poached a little. No, we didn't get poached. No, no, but I mean, like, generally, like, my my thing was, I, like, I felt like he had pretty good player retention, but he did lose Richarlison, which is not oh, Lance? sick. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not great. Um, so he's had a good, he, he has good intentions, and he, he just needs more experience, it feels like, as a manager. Sure. I think I think for him his right level is probably championship, not top of the championship. I'd say mid championship, which could have been us. He might get h- hired for us again. Who knows? Um, but I, I just want to send like all my best to Frank as we we transition into new management. You know, just putting it out there in the universe. Not that he'll ever care or hear this, but Fair. I just have to put it out there that very, very it's honorable. not really his fault necessarily. Is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, you got Delta back card. But I think. We can start putting blame on people as we get into the ownership and the board. Um, I'd like to start that by just saying in, in a simple three words, my, my feelings, which are sack the board. We, they need to go. I'll, I'll give you a little breakdown. I don't know. How, you're not very familiar with our board. I don't I've think. I've heard you talk right? about this so many times. But you're not familiar with yeah, it. I don't know them like an interpersonal Okay, so. Level. Our, our board, if I had to, like, characterize it, it mm. is it is a toxic ex-girlfriend. Oh, good. It is... What the, kind of toxic? Like, mentally ill. Like, like he's your car toxic, or like... No, like, uh, like, 
you then find out two years later that she told all of your best friends that you were gay. Oh, like with nicotine patch crazy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. nuts. Like, like cut her hair off. Sure. After the break. Dies her. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But like follows you around still. Okay. Fair. Um, so the, in total, you know what the average board size is in, in the prem? Like 12 yeah, to 12. 15, something like that. Pretty right? big, right? It's yeah, like it's sure. a normal size board. We have four board members. Nice. Right. Um, we have our, our chairman, Bill Kent, right? Right. Our CEO, Denise Barrett Brexdale. Right. Or DVB, as we call her. Who hasn't been to games since like 2004 or something, right? Uh, not, no, that's our owner. Oh, my bad. Uh, our CFO and CSO, same person. Oh, good. Nice. Grant Ingalls. Good. Fire, don't know who the Donnie sure. is. Never Spider heard of him in my life. And our non-directing member, just a Donnie, Graham Sharp, <laughs> who used to play for us back in the day. Just some dude? Just some dude. It was, it, well, fun fact, it's Bill Kentwright's favorite player oh, from good. back in the day. Fire. Just on our board. Good. I love that. Uh, and technically, our director of football, Kevin Thelwell, has a seat at the board, but he can't make an executive decision. But he goes to, like, the meetings. Oh, great. So, so the guy who runs, observer. He's the guy who runs our club, and he just gets to, like, sit there. He's just in, like, spectator mode. Yeah, he's, like, he's a cuck. He's That's our fine. board cuck. That's fire. Um, and let me just give you some statistics about our board, uh, just to kind of give you an idea. <clears throat> we are the second highest paid board in the league. Nice. With four members. Who's first? Uh, Man United. Ah. <laughs> uh, ah nice. We good, have good. the least experience in the board in terms of combined years of working experience. To be fair, with four people. Makes sense with four people, though. Um, you know how there's only four members. Right. It didn't always used to be that way. Okay. It used uh, to be three. Still, since since Kent Wright came in, there's been 29 resignations at the board level. Resignations. Yeah, people oh, resigning, wow. saying I don't want to work here. Perfect. Good. Uh, I think we used to have like eight, and it kept cycling through eight, but then so many people didn't want to work there that it's come down to four. Great. Um, Ingles, uh, it's his first time as a, a financial director ever. Never been what a financial did he do director. Before? Don't know. Great. Um, Sharp. Okay. First time on any board because he's a football player. He's never been on an executive board in his life. Denise, never been a part of a board for longer than two years outside of Everton and is the least experienced CEO in the Premier League in terms of years. To be fair, someone's got to be the least experienced, you know? Yeah. Someone's got to be last. Some, somebody, but you'd hope it wouldn't be like the Never oldest l- oldest standing club in the league. Yeah, you'd think it'd be like Brighton. You'd think the shit. oldest standing club in the league would have the most experienced CEO. Right. Because they've been there the longest. Yes, fair. Um, No, that's not how it was. Uh, We have the worst barren spell in club history since Kent Wright made it to board level. So one trophy. Um, Since 2016, we've spent $1.2 million a week. Ooh, no, what, just wages? On just everything. Uh, Moshiri will have invested excess of 700 million pounds by the end of the season just for us to go backwards from 7th place down to 19th <laughs> since he's come in Fire. Um, since 2019 we've lost 2.6 million pounds a week since 2016 we've spent 828 million pounds in wages mm. since 2016 we've spent 650 million pounds on transfers Great. Um, so not to say we haven't spent the money but it's more of like where's this money going you know, and and the real issue with this whole thing is who's choosing where it goes. We and the more I've dug into this, the more it seems like no one knows, not even the board. <laughs> like the board doesn't know who spends the money. Great. So like so, somehow decisions are getting made without anyone being behind that. There's no accountability. That's fire. 
Um, so I kind of want to get into, I want to put a little accountability on everybody mm. and pin a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, what's the word? T, mm. a little T on everyone. Mm. Spill sis. Just a little bit. So to start off with our little cuck, Kevin <laughs> Felwell. Right. I'm not going to blame him that much because he's like, he's not, he's the least guilty. He doesn't yeah, really do yeah, anything. Yeah. He's just their little puppeteer. He's just kind of there. He's a little bum fiddle in the corner. Right. They just like, he just exists. Right. Um. However, he still deserves a little bit of slack because he's made some really smart signings. Like when you look at him, you're like, that's a pretty good signing. For example, the the Connor Cody loan. Right. That's a pretty impressive signing. Mikelenko, you get, whatever. You get no, he he was not in here when uh, Mikelenko got signed. Oh, fair. Actually, no, he was. It was the same window, wasn't it? No, it was January of the Rafa window. I think he came in with Rafa. So yeah, he was here when Mikelenko got signed. So like getting rid of Dinier for thirty two million and buying Mikolenko for fifteen. Right. Decent decent signing. Not great. But Tarkowski for free, good signing. Onana for thirty million. Impressive. Sure. Uh but let's get into his stinky winkies. He's mm-hmm. had some stinky winkies. Morgan Schneiderlin. He was not here for Morgan. <laughs> um Neil Malpai. Yes. Twenty six years of age. Right. 15 million pound transfer with a three-year deal. Good. I, I, I understand what he was trying to do here because we needed a striker, like a prem-level striker, because right. um, DCL was injured. But like at the same time, this goes to Frank as well. You can kind of see everything's intertwined of just being shocking. Right. Like there's a lot of really bad decisions intertwined with each other so that no one really gets blamed for it. But like... Neil Malpai, when you look at it, he's five foot six, right? He's sure. five foot six. I fucking hate him. Why would we buy a five foot six striker when we have a six foot two striker with a forty inch vertical, and expect that that would work? Like, it, it, surely we have a system in place in which a six foot two striker is meant to succeed. So why would we buy a five foot six one to replace our six foot two one? With the, like when we're training to hopefully training to hit the target man, right? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't go and replace Zlatan Ibrahimovic with Chiro not Chiro Mobley, Lorenzo Insigne. Insigne. Yeah. Like you're not gonna do that. It doesn't make sense. But we did it. Yeah. And it's like why would we do that? I, I, I could understand if we were going down and we lost DCL, getting Malpai for fifteen million. Could make sense if sure. we're planning to go high press two striker formation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't with what we have right now. Um, it's just a bad signing, but but even worse than that was the Dwight McNeil signing. <laughs> yeah, that one that but was not great. Here's the thing I don't think Kevin Thelwell watches football, <laughs> I think he is a businessman who just happens to like the sport because it makes a bunch of sense. Or he just reads the news. I don't think he actually like understands what players do. Sure. Because um, Dwight McNeil last year for Burnley was playing left wing back right. for the entire second half of the season. Yeah, because Cornet got pushed back up to left wing. Yeah, so he's playing left wing back. He, he And then we bring him in to hopefully play left wing in our 4-3-3, which is like questionable in the first place. Second off, even more questionably, we pay $20 million for him. Yeah, that one was crazy. On a five-year deal. For a man who got relegated, too. He, he got relegated. He had one goal contribution last season. Yeah. Um, he's like, it's a five-year, he's 22. So here's what here's the things I see why he'd make this signing. He's 22 years old. 
He just got relegated. He wants the move. He's English, so he fits the homegrown. Sure. And he's a left-footed winger who could potentially take a set piece. Yeah. And we had lost Digne, who can take our left-footed set pieces. Right. If it comes down to a backup. So DeMarie you're like, okay, that's that makes sense. But then when you look at the other side of it, it's like, okay, yes, he's English. He's 20 million pounds. He has one goal contribution last season. Unproven. He played left wing back. We play with a winger. He has one foot, which is his left foot, and everyone knows it. So how are we expecting him to create with one foot as a relegated winger? James Rodriguez could do it because he's James Rodriguez. Right. And he had Carlo Ancelotti telling him how to play. When you have Frank Lampard telling Dwight McNeil to cut in on the left and put just twat it top bins, it's not going to happen, you know? So it, it just doesn't make sense to me, this signing at all. He, he's one-footed. He can't dribble. He can't cross. He has a decent corner on him. But even that gets put into the front man most of the time. He has no pace and he's physically not built. I feel so, like you don't love Dwight McNeil. He's dog. He's okay. so bad. Like, you know who I'm excited to come back? And this is a, a testament. I'm excited for Andros Townsend to come back That's from his two-year ACL That's tear. That's insane. Two years he's been out. And I'm excited for him to come back because of how bad he is. 34-year-old you got from Crystal Palace? That's crazy. Because he was decent when he came on and played for us. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, in general, I see Kevin going after these smart deals. But for what? Like, where do they fit? We need to sit. And that's why I think this our our appointment now of Sean Dyche is going to be helpful for us. Because even though it's going to be disgusting, gross, yucky football... It is a brand of football, and we yeah. know exactly what it takes for that brand to be successful. So Kevin needs to wake up and say, okay, we need a box-to-box midfielder who's bald and scary, and we need him now. You know, like we need we need John Joe Shelby tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, like, John Joe Shelby to Everton. He's going to Nottingham, by the way. He, he, actually... he agreed today, yeah. Fuck no. Which is nuts. But just that idea of like, Let's go and find people who fit a system. Let's go find a racist man. Um, no, 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 no. Sean's a lovely lad. The more I've watched interviews with him, he seems great. He sounds like he's been smoking cigarettes since he was four years old. Doesn't make him racist, though. (laughs) You can't can't tell me Sean Dyche is for equality for all people, bro. I'm sorry. There's no way. There's no way. This I'm man played man. a four-four-two of English people. That doesn't make him racist. Aim for the ankles. Um, Cornet got signed under Sean Dyche. Yeah, and for six months, this man was like, "Why did we sign him?" Until he became good. <laughs> like, let's, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we just see like Iwobi out the door, Ghana yeah, out the door, Onana out Onana's the door. gone. It's only DCL's yeah, gone. It's Pictos and fourteen but you know other what? Pictos. Our 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 back line is so sorted. Yeah, if you think about our back line under under Sean Dyche. Mikalenko, Tarkowski, Cody, Patterson, yeah. Pickford. That's a Sean Dyche back five. Yeah, four. That's like a, that's, that's a, a great back, back line. five. I agree. Um, but let's get into the rest of these these little bastards. Please. Let's let's just talk about like I, I wanted to bring up this article. I pulled it out. Um It's about the manipulation of our board. Uh I'm just gonna kinda pull points from it, but most importantly, let's talk about the lies and deceit. Because mm. a lot of things have been put in the media recently, like about Everton fans and how we're evil and 
aggressive, aggressive and the worst or whatever. Um, but let's go. Let's go through a timeline quickly for you. Since the downfall results, obviously fans can exercise their. You'll get an you'll get an Arteta out speech after you guys lose two games in a row. Sure. You know, like that's normal. Yeah. We've been dealing with two years of like, Fuck we're going worst. to die. Yeah. And and these people don't care. Like we haven't had any communication for two years from these people. Yeah, no, I don't. So understandably, people are protesting, and we're still protesting peacefully. Like there hasn't been. Some any... dude did no tie his neck to. Okay, post. that was not even about football though. No, that was, that was an Everton game though. Yeah, it was. That was sick, and <laughs> that, that was, was a game that Iwobi scored in the 99th minute. Yeah, I know. Still winning against Newcastle. <laughs> that was insane. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so fans have been exercising their right to speech. We've had peaceful protests after games. Um, which are like, yes, they're, they're, they're not, they're peaceful. They are not peaceful words being said, obviously, because right, it's football. Like, yes. you're not going to be like, oh, please guys, try a little harder. 40,000 scout donnies. Yeah, it's a bunch of scouts, working class people. You can't expect us to yeah. all be super kind and rainbows. But yeah, that that's football. That's what we pay for. Like, we're funding these fools to go out every week and play. So we have the right to be able to say, oh, you played like shit for the last two <laughs> weeks. What's going on? You know, valid. So let's go into the the everything changed though after our two one loss to Brighton, which I don't know if you remember. Stinky, yes, stinky of course I remember because you texted me at half and went, "Oh no, that was Southampton. Never mind, never mind." That yeah, was yeah, Southampton, yeah. Um, so it started on Sunday, uh, the fourteenth of January. Everton put out a statement that our CEO Denise was put in a headlock oh, by yes. a fan following our loss to Brighton. Uh, the statement though was put out 11 days after the loss to Brighton because our game was on the 3rd of January. Nice. So let's kind of like, let's let's take yeah. a minute here just it's as logical weeks. people. Why would a statement be put out two weeks after the event occurred? Mm. That's kind of strange, you think? It's a bit of sus. I'll give it to you. Um, especially because in the midweek of that week, we lost in the cup. Right. So, you know, it's a little bit like, hmm. The board's starting to feel a little pressure. They're starting, you know, right. like, oh, well, we got put in a headlock, so it's not our problem. Sure. Uh, and then there was also reports in that same statement that said uh, there were threats to Bill Kentride's life and spitting and cursing at Denise's car. Both of which, that's just life, bro. Like, get over <laughs> it. That's the Xbox group chat. Like, we, we do that normally. The the, <laughs> okay. the threat to your life is just like, if you if you said to me, like, I don't know. I mean, there's been times where I've said, like, oh, can you pass me that water? And you've said, like, kill yourself. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> bro. <laughs> but that's just the way life goes. Like, yeah, you've got to take that yeah. on the chin and move on. Especially when you're the head of a club. Like, Yeah, of course. No you're a public figure. Serious, People are going to walk up to you like, I'm going to strangle you. Like, yeah, like, relax. Right. But, uh, okay, I get, I get being scared of that. That makes sense. Yeah, I understand. However... On the 16th of January, so two two days before the statement, or two days after the statement was put out on the 14th, mm. uh, the Merseyside police, the like the police department yeah, yeah, yeah. for Merseyside, issued a statement that there were, quote, no threats or incidents reported to the police before the Southampton game on the 18th. So in the month of January, nothing had been reported to the police, no threats on his life, no spitting or assaulting Denise's car, no headlock of a, of at the game. Yeah, that was crazy. And then on top of that, on top of there being no reported incidents, there's no witness statements, 
No CCTV footage. No other Everton employees making statements about the attack on Denise. So, like, okay, where did the attack happen? Just as for Denise, bro. Where did the attack happen? How was no one else around? And how is there no CCTV? And how is no one else from the board coming out in, in support of Denise? Right? A lot of things that you put together, you're like, that's kind of sus, you yeah, know? I'll get to you. And, and as, much, as much as I feel like, yes, you should r- prioritize your health and safety, if you're lying about being put in a headlock because you're scared to face the mistakes you've made. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a sign of incompetence and should be like a sign of quitting the job. If you if you were in a job right. and you said, I'm not going to work Monday because I'm scared of what my boss is going to do to me. Yeah. Like, that I'll means you're that. doing something wrong. Yeah, obviously. Like, it's a pretty clear and obvious thing. But no, we continue to back these people to make decisions, or we don't, the owner does, continue to say, oh, it's not their fault. If it's not their fault, why are they being criticized so heavily? And if it isn't their fault, why aren't they communicating how it's not their fault? Well, I mean, I, I touched on this earlier, but didn't you say your owner hasn't like been to a game since like 20, 2006? Yeah, he hasn't gone in forever. He hasn't been there forever. So I mean, like, is there is there any proof that this dude actually like in well, on any level like partakes in his football club? And here's here's the thing, right? This downfall all started following the the Russia Ukraine incident because our quote unquote like one of our co owners, right. Uzmanov, sure, who was involved had to pull out of his yeah, part of the club. Assets got frozen or whatever. Yeah, and only since then have there been financial fair play issues. So it's pretty clear that Moshiri was a front for this Russian dude yeah, of course. who was actually running the business. And Moshiri himself is also a shady freak. Like, the money, his money's so dirty as well. Well, um, shit But so, so on top of that, so they get the, the headlock thing, whatever. Right. Then for the Southampton game on the 18th, they put out a statement that says, we have been advised by the Merseyside police oh, yeah, to right. not attend the game due to a direct threat on our life and safety. Right. Which the Merseyside police had two days earlier said there have been no reports of incidents. So they just lied about not coming to this game because they were scared to face the fans. Because they knew... And that was the... On the at the Southampton game was the game that uh, people had planned their yeah, peaceful the protest afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So the entire uh, stadium was going to stay after the game with their protest banners uh, and, and let the board confront it. But no, they don't show. Um, so it's just kind of, that's the first step of realizing that not only are you doing something wrong, but you're not taking any accountability for it, which in itself is a major issue. Um, so let's go into a little more about what happened after that Southampton game. Um, great game, really. Oh relegation six pointer leading a half. You text me and you go, wow, we're going to win. I go, Lamau. I didn't say we're going to win. I said, I said, we have finally scored first. (laughs) Yeah. And then I said, it's crazy. Well, I said, I sent a screenshot. I said a screenshot because there was like in, of course, in the Everton like community and forums, there's pictures of like, Oh, if all the results go our way today, we're going to end up 14th. (laughs) And at that moment in time, all the results were going in that order. So we were sitting in 14th and I was like, Oh my God, I feel so confident right now. For about what? Like 28 minutes. Yeah. Less. No, they scored in the 48. Well, no, because half, too. you got to account for the 50-minute. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yeah. No, they scored three minutes into the second half. So. Perfect. 
Yeah. Uh, so we, I send that photo, and then Oscar says, you're going to concede, too. And I'm like, oh, no, please, God, don't say that. Yeah, and then it just happens, um, of course. But after the Southampton game, that's where we started to see some issues where, again, we get villainized by media. Uh, that was when Yerimina got confronted by fans after the game. I don't know if you saw that video. But um, it's just an Everton fan just, like, going off. He's saying, um, let me see if I can do the impression. <clears throat> Would you stay with us if we went down? Are you going to stay here if we went down? Because the rest of you lot aren't going to stay here. Will you stay here, Yeri? And then Yeri goes, Listen, listen. I will die for this football club. <laughs> and then, and then the, the fan goes back. He says, So some fucking heart. So some fucking heart. If you got the heart, then tell the other players to get the heart. And then that's pretty much how the interaction goes. It's them yelling at. That's fine. It's not like it's not aggressive. It, it is aggressive. But it's not like... It's amped It's up. not a threat. It, yeah, he's yeah. not in a direct threat. Of course. His car is getting blocked from leaving as the fans, yeah, by the fans. Like, but that's like... Fucking... They're acting like that doesn't happen when they win the games anyways. Yeah. Um, the one that was a little bit problematic, and I do I do genuinely think this is really poor form from... There's a group of like 14-year-olds who, when Anthony Gordon was leading the game, were like throwing traffic cones in front of his car so he <laughs> couldn't drive. It's kind of funny, though. Which is like... That that's poor. Like you shouldn't do that to the kid. He's trying to get home. He's twenty. Like let him be. Yeah, true. He it's not his fault. Let's be honest. It's not because of Anthony Gordon that we lost that game. Right. Yes, he's has a bad temper. Yes, he's gotten suspended twice because of his yellow card accumulations. Yes, he can't shoot the ball. Yes, he doesn't know how to play football correctly. Okay, calm down. <laughs> However, he doesn't deserve to get his car assaulted like that. Sure. And I think that's ultimately what led to his transfer, it, unfortunately, is that situation of, like, he felt threatened by that and didn't want to be there anymore, which I get. I, I understand. But what we see after that game is diabolical because the Everton board come out and speak against the fans, <laughs> which is so heinous of them to do, to not come to the game and then say fan behavior was poor today is yeah, crazy that is crazy if your teacher didn't come to class and then filed a complaint because the because the kids weren't like being good in class it just has no warrant right yeah that's insane like how are you gonna say to all the to the principal and all the people looking on no of course oh it's not my fault that they were all rowdy today Bro, you weren't there if you're in pto like and you're like wow i can't believe this person didn't complete the project like that's like that's you know insane. you know who the frustration that all those fans were expressing towards the players was aimed towards it's the board yeah of course and if the board had been there that day those players would have gotten home and there would have been any issue. Maybe there would have been a couple people who were yelling at them because there's always a couple people who are who are just, they right. always put anger out towards the wrong people. But it wouldn't have been the way it was if you had just shown up and held your head up and taken it on the chin. But no. So instead, it was like, it, it just kept going. Let, let me just read part of this article. Uh... The club then issued a statement. Moshiri issues a statement after this game where he says, I've heard all the fan concerns and I am not going to change the board. Oh, fire. Good. You're because good. I believe in them. Mm -hmm. And they've proven that they're good. Proven it where? Hey, bro, back your dogs. You know? Where, though? Like, I'll get into exactly who the cause of this is, but Moshiri himself is a snake who has no vision for this club. His, his, in, you know what he's, he got asked in a, he recently put out an interview, which 
for anyone who wants to just laugh for a second, he puts out this interview with the Everton fan board. You know how like every club right, has like yeah, a fan yeah, yeah. fan forum or whatever where they have people come and represent the yeah, fans AFTV, to the club. The fuck, like. But no, not not a fan channel, not like not like Toffee TV or AFT. No, I know what you're on about. It's like a supporters section. You can have like it's one like a town hall meeting. Yeah, but you have like one chairman who represents the fans' right. voice. So our chairman gets elected to go have this interview with Farad Moshiri. Guess what they do? What? They sit them in separate rooms. Oh gosh. The owner and the chair board of the fans are sat in was separate it like a jail rooms. Phone or is it like a Zoom call? No, it's they're in the same building. And how, how do they talk? There's it's so the way that someone figured out what building it's in the Royal Liver building, which is where Everton's hosted and where all their sure. like corporate stuff is. So Moshiri's office is here, and then there's the doorway in, and then there's like a entryway to the office. Our fan board representative is sat in the entry to the office with the door open and Moshiri is sat in his couch. That's crazy. So they're That's not insane. even looking at each other. Yeah. Well, and he's he's talking through this doorway <laughs> to our owner. Not even seeing him face to face. Phenomenal. And like, I think that was my final straw with Moshiri where I'm like, this guy is the worst. That's absurd. The worst. And let me me continue to go. He then stated, uh, okay, let's see. I have to just pull out this article because of how the quotes are in this are just stupid. Um, Here's what I say. The media have picked a side in the civil war and they've chosen the wrong one. It is extremely suspect that Everton fans have been connected to so much trouble and antisocial behavior as soon as Kent Wright and co. have undercome such substantial pressure. Farhan Moshiri showed his hand in the situation when he appeared on TalkSport with Jim White last Thursday. He produced some hilarious one-liners. He stated that, quote, all the managers have been driven by the fans, not by me. Mm. And, And again, that has some grounds for Frank Lampard. Because uh, when when the Portuguese Donny was linked with us, we did leave like a thing that said oh, um, it was like Nuno, not Nuno. It wasn't Nuno. No, it was some other Donny. He was from Portugal, but we were like, if he comes here, we're gonna burn down your house. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, That's good. But then, the Rafa Benitez. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was crazy. How is that not your decision? And that's the fans' decision. We put a thing outside of him. Outside of his house where it's like, if you come here, you're like a stinky red or whatever. Sure. It's like, we don't want a red in our club. He then also quoted, quote, I put my money where my mouth is. That's the most an owner can do. What does it even mean? I don't know. The what? Like, yeah, but it's literally, bro, but you like, bought this club. If you put your like, money where your mouth is, that's the least the owner could do. Then, then no, the, the least the owner can do is find someone to spend the money. No, but also, like, you bought this club. Like, yeah, I would hope so. That's literally, like, your employment at this point. Yes. But but if you if you own the club and you're putting all this money into it, why are you just letting absolute donkeys decide <laughs> where the money goes? Yeah, 30 million it. for Morgan Schneiderlin for one year yeah, to then get cool. sold on for 1.2 million pounds. Yeah, that's not great. What is that? What is that strategy? You go and you, you, you say, let's go get a really good director of football. We bring in Marcel Brands, who has a proven track record at PSV. And then Kent Wright says, you know how our, our transfer system works. Right. They just, no, no. They just put this out online, how our transfer system works. Oh. Our scouting network goes and finds players they like. Sure. Under our director of football's whatever he's looking for. Yeah, so he'll yeah. say, he'll say to our scouts, 
We need a creative young player who can play out wide on the right and, and it can, you know, deliver a cross. Yeah, yeah, sure. So their scouts will go out, they'll find the players. He'll then assess those players, go and watch a couple of them play, do his work. Then that whole report gets passed up to Kent Wright, who, may I add, has no footballing experience right. prior to Everton Football Club. Gets passed to Kent Wright. If Kent Wright likes it himself alone, if he likes Good. it, he gets to pass it on to Moshiri, who then oh. gets to decide if he likes it and then signs the dotted line. Nice. Do you know who we've missed out on because of this? Uh, Erling Holland. Right? Erling Holland. Yeah. Bruno Gumars. That's good. Uh, Anthony, before he went to Ajax. Spinbot? Spinbot before he went to Ajax. That's crazy. Um, who else did we miss out on? Uh, we could have got Richarlison before he went to Watford. <laughs> Seriously? We had all these players in our scouting network. Martin Odegaard. Right before the Real Sociedad deal. Like, crazy, crazy stuff. All these people who Marcel Brands brought in and said, these are players that will fit our system, who then Kent Knight said, no, they don't know, they can't do it in the Prem. What does, what does Moshiri do? Nothing! No, no, but I mean, like, what's, like, what's, his, what's his source of money? Uh, coal, I think. So, but, no, it's, it's dirty. No, but so they gave a coal miner the final say on, like, early Holland. Let's see. Um... He's a British-Iranian businessman based in Monaco. Good. Good start. He's the chairman of USM, a diversified Russian holding company. Significant interest across the metals in mining, telecoms, technology. Bet. So he's an yeah. Iranian-British man living in Monaco who owns a Russian VC that owns coal mines somewhere, maybe. Yeah, he owns 14% of Arsenal. This is gas. I love this. <laughs> So he owns 14% of Arsenal and owns 94% of Everton. That's fire. We love that. Disgusting. Um, so, yeah. And then this is the worst one of his quotes from this interview that he had on TalkSport. Quote, the board's been there for a long time. They are dedicated and they are local. Mm, are they? Is that all that matters? Like, of course they're dedicated. They're getting paid. Because yeah. they're getting paid the second most in the league for four of them. So even if they weren't getting paid the second most, bro, they have to eat. Like, of course, they're going to be dedicated. Like, what? Yeah. I think I think it's just like over and over again, we've seen just Everton fans get blamed for the shortcomings of our board, more, more specifically Bill Kent, right? I think that's the first step for this club not dying in the water is for that man to either die or... <laughs> Get fired, yeah, fair. And I'm I'm rooting for both of them at this point. Okay, that's <laughs> like honestly, it's. But the thing is, he won't go. Like even if you want him to get fired, he won't go. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, he's making an absolute bag. Why would he leave? But he, oh, it's like, just regardless so of, regardless bad. of what happens, everything goes down. He signs fucking Morgan Schneider, and he's not like anything that happens. He's still gonna get paid a bag. He's definitely and and the, that's the thing. That's the thing that sucks though is that he's the one who's, in kind of going into our final point as i close out my short rant because genuinely i could talk about this for hours i know <laughs> hours on end but again that transfer strategy is what really is going to kill us if if ken wright still has a say in who comes in we're never going to succeed because how can we expect this guy this fat old man to then decide everything about we have we hire we hire Thelwell, we hire brands we hire these people to do their jobs and they go and do them 
and they bring us back this talent that it, it can definitely become good. But when you just have some Donny who who's from Everton, who's just born in Liverpool and is just there for vibes, he's the one who makes a decision and says, mm, it's not an Everton-style player. He's going to kill us. Yeah, that's crazy. He's going to kill us. He's stuck in the 80s. Back when we were the, the dogs of war. Like, that's not how football's played anymore. We can't play for these 6-5. Well, now we're going to. What? What are you smiling at me like? I, I said this an hour ago. But I think there's one man that can save your club. I think you and I both know who that man is. He's coming tomorrow. I know. And he's playing Arsenal for the first game. We're going to win. <laughs> no, you're not. If we win, you owe me head. Shake. <laughs> Down. <laughs> No, um, but I, I, I'm very excited to see. Uh, I'm going to get up at 4.30 to watch Rashawn Dice 4.42 in real time. But it's just, it's just heinous. Like, I, this this man, you know what he does? What does he do? Theater. He's a producer of film. Nice. How is he supposed to, to run a football club, man? What movies has he, has he produced? He produced The Fanatic. Lovely. From 2019. My Pure Land from 2017. Broken. 2012. I don't know any of these. Uh, neither do I. Because they're sh- dog shit. <laughs> um, but it's just hor- it's horrible. And if we continue to let this man make our decisions, the, the longer we continue to just die. Um, so going forward, what are my expectations? Um... Championship. Genuinely, I'm seventy percent sure we're going down, because I just don't see teams around us that are doing worse than us. Fair. Like, although Brighton, after they lose their entire starting eleven, could. Slide. No, because they've lost almost all their starting eleven are still fucking yeah, obliterating uh, people. And Mitoma's gonna go. Yeah, but no, no, they just sold Trossard. I know. They're Kaiseido's selling Caicedo. Gonna, yeah. They've already sold... Who did they sell in the summer? They sold Basuma in the summer, yeah, their Basuma best player. Gone, yeah. They sold Lewis Dunn. No, they sold uh, Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne, yeah. Lewis, They've continued to sell people. Lewis they sold Kukurea, and they're doing better. They, they lost their manager, and they're doing better. It's yeah. they're, they're just well run. That's what Everton needs to do is get rid of our fat, incompetent board members and get in people like at Brighton or at Brentford who have a clear idea... Get a director of football who matches them. Get a manager who matches what the director of football wants and build from there. So hopefully if we go down, it's the start of a restart and not 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 just not us continuing. Because if we if we continue well no, if we if we don't come up next year, it's Sunderland because we go into bankruptcy. We're That's gone. True, yeah. We're gone. Fucking stadium. It all comes back to a stadium. No. Yeah, Dude, I'm actually gonna cry when we kick off the championship in a seven hundred million pound stadium. Oh, by the way, you know if it was sale. Also, you didn't handle that. Uh, no, Moshiri oh, it's said not? it's not for sale anymore. Ah, okay. He he said it was for sale one day and then said it wasn't for sale the next. Okay. So, great. any questions for me? Uh, how do you feel that your stadium for a day was worth more than your club? Well, actually, fun fact, um, our stadium in per- we purchased it the contract in the middle of COVID. Right. So that was at like seven hundred million or whatever it was, okay. six fifty. If we hadn't done it all in that moment, it would be worth 1.6 billion pounds today. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel that your stadium is going to be worth oh. 3x your club? 
Oh, it's going to be so great because the second we, you know, what's going to be so beautiful what? when we disband as a football club, <laughs> they're going to, they're Liverpool's going to take our stadium because yeah, Anfield right, will go too old. Because Anfield's from 1904. Right. So they're going to be like, oh, our stadium's kind of outdated. Hey, there's a yeah, big, crazy. empty, brand new stadium down in the docks that we can just go and take over. And then, and then that's the moment. That's it. And it's, that's when Everton has officially died and rotted. Is when we've gone to a point where we can't fill up our 54,000 capacity stadium. Do you think Sean Dyche is going to solve all your problems? If there's one man to do it, it's, it's not Daishi. solve all problems. If there's one man to keep us up, it's Daishi, though. Fair. If I genuinely believe we've been missing out, he got he got Burnley to seventh. He did get Burnley. Let's to never ever forget that Burnley to seventh with a to- you know how how much he total spent in his entire tenure at Burnley? Like fifty mil. It was like eighty nine million pounds yeah, over true. ten years, and it's like you he got Trippier is from Burnley, right? Danny Ings is from Burnley. Sure. Uh, I can't really think of anyone else good from Burnley. Nick Pope. Nick Pope from Burnley. Uh, Cornet. Cornet was, yeah, well, Leon to Burnley oh, then yeah, to. True. Now, now not even playing. But, yeah, true. But yeah, I think in general. Oh, Walt. Oh, of course. <laughs> the GOAT. <laughs> I of hope. Of course. He, but it's like, again, I now feel like we have a system at least. And I don't think. Now the footballing feels independent of the board in a way, sure. which is huge because the results no longer are dependent on Frank pleasing the board. They've gone with Dyche. Dyche has no pressure for the next six months from the board. They're not going to sack him. Of course. So he's just got to go and get some dubs. And if there's one man who can go and get dubs, it's fucking Shawnee D. Do you think 4.30 a.m. next Saturday? You see a four four two against Arsenal. Oh, fucking of course. <laughs> and the thing is, I think that troubles you. I really don't. Think I so. genuinely think you guys have been playing some of like the most expansive, tiki taka style teams. You have not come against a two banks of four. I think I think Connor Cody forgot how four four two works. No, it's once it's ingrained. You know who hasn't though? James, James Tarkowski. Yeah. That man. Remember, he was literally the best center back in the Premier League. Yeah, when he like was on a weeks. relegated team. Yeah. Not for three weeks. Last season, he was no, no, in the like, top no, five. There was like a three-week period oh, where he was, he like was statistically God, the yes. best center back in the league. And even this year, he was like that for a little while as well. Dude. So it's like, if you bring that man back under Daishi, because he brought him in. Daishi's his father, technically. True. You bring him, I think you get a stinky... I think Ben Godfrey could be a beautiful, beautiful Sean Dyche player. Dude, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't see a world in which fucking, like, Nathan Patterson looks at a 442 and no, doesn't get rinsed he's by the Gabriel one, Martinelli. He's the one where I've got, but you know who does fit a 442? Who? Seamus the Anus Coleman. Or Mason Holgate at right back. You're will, not winning he this will game. tank Martinelli. You're not winning this You know game. who can't handle the 442? What? Ben White. He's no, going to get rinsed. No, yeah, but Gabriel Magahalas and William Saliba still have it. Do you think Saliba can deal with big Dommy Wami? Yes. Yeah, he definitely can. I don't think James Tarkowski can the deal thing with is, Eddie Defensive. Oh, okay, that's heinous. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just letting <laughs> No, go. the one who definitely can't hang is is Tom Davies against Martin <laughs> Odegaard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, one, that one's not great. It's actually going to be a fantastic midfield battle of... Onana versus Jaka will this be, gonna be beautiful. This is going to be 95% possession for a 1-0. Yeah. 
Everton. No. Correct. <laughs> yeah, 99% position for 4-4-2 flat back, way deep. Yeah, no, you guys will have 99%, but then you're going to get hit by one big header because you're small. Yeah, for sure. We're I, big, bro. You forget how big we are. Yeah, but Eddie, Eddie's going to call. I don't, whatever. This is not. <laughs> I, really I'm going to guess nil-nil. That's my genuine I'm guessing prediction. 4-1, bro. This <laughs> not nah, looking nah, good. nil-nil. This is not looking good. You don't think Sean Dyche, you know who's scared of Sean Dyche? Mikel Arteta. I don't think so. I genuinely think if there's there's one man to be feared. I think if anything, Sean Dyche is envious of Mikel Arteta because Mikel Arteta. Of course, he's fucking, envious. No, just the Lego hair. The Lego hair alone. Oh no, Sean Dyche doesn't want hair. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the stories of Sean in the locker room? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. He's gotta be a racist. Well, thank you guys for listening. I apologize if I got. I mean, actually, no, I don't apologize. I feel great. About talking about Everton for an episode. Because the honest truth is I could do this every week and people would never listen again. So uh, thank you for listening to our first episode back. We will be back. Yeah. Um, we're going to start going back to that style that we were doing before with the, the researched stuff. Because as much fun as it is to just talk about what's going on in the league, it's kind of hard when one's in first and one's in last. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, also, yeah, this is definitely a bit of an app. Like, it's not every week that your club literally. Goes no, to no, it's not every. It's it's kind of a special occasion. So, yeah. again, thank you guys we for need, listening. We need a end of season recap at the end. To oh, do, for sure, like, the, we'll do it. We'll do an end of season recap, and there's a potential we might, maybe, possibly start doing some like thirty minute little bonuses here or there where we just go over actual footballing stuff. Yeah, we'll see. So we'll see. All right, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.